What's up, everyone? Welcome to Tennis is Love, the podcast. I am your host and creator, Victon, aka Blunt Boy on Instagram. If you know me or you follow me on my IG, then you know that I love tennis. This podcast is for all tennis fans looking to enjoy conversations that are not your basic dry vibes, but more so entertaining and unapologetically honest. We'll be talking players, present and past, as well as topics like on-court drama to off-court love. So tell a friend to tell a friend that this is Tennis is Love, the podcast. So our first series will be five episodes, each about one of my top five favorite tennis players. Our first episode will be about none other than the GOAT, Serena Jamika Williams. Twenty-three-time Grand Slam champion, Serena is the goat. There is no argument. There is no debate to be had. There's nothing that you can tell me to change my mind that Serena is the greatest athlete of all time. You know they're doing their list of the top five greatest athletes of all time on ESPN, and they always name the guys: Muhammad Ali, Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, Tiger Woods. And the only female athlete that they name with those men is Serena Williams. But the crazy part is they always put Serena at like number five. They never put her at the top. And I only can name one person out of that list that dominated at a high level for almost two decades. And that would be Tom Brady. Tom Brady, he is an amazing athlete, an amazing quarterback, even won a Super Bowl this year with a new team. Much respect to Tom Brady. However, Tom Brady is not Serena Williams. Tom Brady plays in a team sport. Tom Brady is a top-tier quarterback. He is protected. They make sure they have a offensive line to make sure no one touches him. And if they do touch him, it's like, you know, a little tackle here and there. So it's not that physical for him to me. That's why at his age, he's able to still compete. Now, as far as Serena goes, Serena is 39 years old, been playing for two plus decades at a high level, always winning Grand Slams in every decade. And even though she hasn't won a Grand Slam within the last four years, it still does not take away from Serena's greatness. She is still chasing 24 Grand Slams. She has more Grand Slams than Roger Federer has, and he is considered the greatest tennis player male-wise. So the world needs to put more respect on Serena's name. She has transcended the sport. She has influenced so many to come up. Serena is literally the blueprint for the girls. If there was no Serena Williams, there would be no Naomi Osaka. No Serena Williams, there would be no Coco Golf. Serena is a fashion icon, a cultural icon, a mother, and a black woman that has broke down so many barriers. Every female athlete Let me take that back. Every athlete would want to be like Serena. Like they say, I want to be like Mike. I want to be like Mike. You might want to be like Serena because Serena is like the epitome of an athlete. She doesn't just let tennis define her as some people do where they just play tennis and that's all that she does. No, Serena is a brand powerhouse. Serena is endorsed by Nike, she's endorsed by Gatorade, she's endorsed by, what is it, Ubrelvi or whatever she takes for migraines. Serena is everything and 
they definitely need to put more respect on her name. As a black woman, it is so tough to think about some of the things that Serena has had to deal with in her lifetime, from the racism to the death of her sister, Yatunde, to gun violence, to unequal pay, people body shaming her because she's just physically and naturally a physically fit woman. And more people need to understand that you don't question greatness. You don't question someone like Serena and ask them, do you feel like this is farewell for you? The way you exited the Australian Open, it was seen to indicate that it might be your last time here or retirement is soon to come. And it's like, wow, just because someone waves to a crowd and shows their appreciation for fans being in a stadium, mind you, 2020, because of COVID and the pandemic, Tennis was basically shut down. No fans could go to the matches. And Australia really did a great job eliminating the virus there and able to have fans in the beginning of the tournament. And then they had a lockdown for like five days and they didn't have any fans. So I think the day that her and Naomi Osaka played was like one of the first days that they had fans back. And so I just thought that she was, you know, thanking the crowd for being back and thanking them for coming to see her, especially for the athletes that are not from Australia coming into a country and playing during the middle of a pandemic. I think she was just humbled that she was able to play in front of people. Of course, she was disappointed for losing. And if you watched her press conference after the match, she definitely was very emotional. And that's when the reporter asked her about her farewell and all the other stuff that went with it, like the media the next day talking about her retirement and questioning her ability to compete at a high level. But my thing is Serena has been making finals consistently for the last four years and unfortunately she hasn't won but this tournament to me she was physically fit you could definitely tell she put in the work in the off season to get ready for the Australian Open and also before the Australian Open she had a injury where she potentially could have missed the Australian Open if it was scheduled at its normal time, but because of COVID and the pandemic, they had pushed it back, which gave her more time to heal and recover and get ready. So she made it all the way to the semifinals, not 100%, you know, as far as her health goes, but she did what she needed to do to get to the semifinals. And I think in the match against Naomi, what was her biggest obstacle probably was like the mental side of it, probably overthinking what she should have been doing because Naomi is a consistent power player. She's influenced by Serena. Serena is her icon and, and that is who Naomi looked up to to even pick up a racket like many of us. Like Venus and Serena are my influence for even playing tennis. So she just had a bad day on the court. She couldn't hit her shots that she wanted to. I think they said in the first set she had not one one forehand winner and that is crazy I never have heard nothing like that about Serena or seen or watched a match where Serena didn't hit one forehand winner it is what it is but it gives me hope as far as 2021 moving forward she looks good I think that she's going to do very well on grass she could potentially win Wimbledon 
And this episode, I want to talk about a little bit of the history of Serena. I'm going to just give you some facts about her. And then we're going to go into another segment where we talk about some of the controversies that surrounded her in her career, such as the Taquanda episode of the U.S. Open. And if you don't know who Taquanda is, you might want to go back and watch the Venus and Serena documentary. It's actually free on YouTube. We're also going to talk about her starting a family and her not winning a Grand Slam since starting a family and do we think that that has played like any role in her performance born on september 26 1981 serena is the youngest of her siblings she was raised in Compton, california where her dad richard williams coached both her and older sister venus Richard is the blueprint of the family. Richard had the vision for his daughters after watching a tennis match on TV and he saw the prize money and he was like, I'm going to get my daughters into tennis. And he bought like a coaching book and some coaching videos and he started to take Venus and Serena to the public courts of Compton. And if you know about the history of the Williams sisters, you've probably seen old clips, like when they play their matches, they'll always highlight their beginning. And you'll see those old clips of Richard pushing a grocery cart full of like old tennis balls. And it, it low-key reminds me of my doubles coach. I'm in a doubles league now, and my doubles coach, older guy, very passionate about tennis, but the last few weeks we've been practicing with old balls. And so it, it's just a, a funny comparison. But nevertheless, Venus and Serena caught the attention of a coach in Florida, so the family moved to Florida to continue their development. And in 1995, Serena turned pro. She played a tournament. I don't think she did that well. So she set out until like 1996 and returned and she started playing. And in 1999 was that breakthrough year for her. She made it to finals of the U.S. Open and she faced Martina Hingez, the world number one and another teen sensation. And she beat her to win her first Grand Slam final. And at that point, at 17 years old, it was a shock to everyone and to the world. Like Serena was the first African-American woman since Althea Gibson in the open era to win a Grand Slam singles tournament. And a lot of people thought that it would be Venus first because she was the older sister and it wasn't. It was Serena and that's what makes it so great. Both Venus and Serena, they pushed each other to be greater. They trained for years with each other. And after that win in 1999, you saw the push of Venus to excel and to start dominating. And she did. She won the next U.S. Open, the next two U.S. Opens and the next two Wimbledons after that. But it was 2002 that Serena really broke through and won four Grand Slams in a row. She won the French Open, she won Wimbledon, she won the US Open, and she won the Australian in 2003, competing in all of those finals against Venus. The world has never seen a sister duo just come and storm the whole tennis community and reaching finals and, and battling hard to win those finals. Like, my favorite match of those was the 2003 Australian. 
Australian Open final. That was my favorite match that they played in that era. And that era was called the Serena Slam. It solidified herself as one of the greats. And we knew then that there was no other person in tennis that could really touch Serena when Serena was playing her best. And after that, the rest is really history. Serena just continued to improve and play and started racking up more Grand Slam trophies and more titles. And she started to elevate to a whole different level of superstardom. We started seeing her in music videos. We started seeing her on television. She started acting. She went to fashion school. And then she started her fashion brand, Anaris. And she started doing like HSN partnerships with fashion. And she was on red carpets, winning awards and being honored and doing charity work. So Serena was just everywhere, like on the Wheaties box, like Serena. Serena was that girl and has always been that girl and still is that girl. So that's a little uh, a little history lesson for you, just to give you a little background of Serena and what she has accomplished. Like I said in the beginning, 23-time Grand Slam champion. And another interesting fact is there is a movie coming out called King Richard, played by Will Smith. It is set to be released in November of this year, 2021, on HBO Max and in theaters. I'm super excited to see that. I don't think that Will Smith looks like Richard in any form or fashion, but I understand why they chose Will Smith to play the role because Will Smith is a household name as well, and he, he will just bring more attention to the film, and essentially that is what we want as fans. We want everyone around the world to watch the movie and see what Richard's blueprint was to get his girls to the level that they are today. So, super excited about that movie. Be on the look out for it. They do have a trailer. I think it's like 30 seconds right now on YouTube and you can watch that as well. So now we're going to talk about some of my favorite Serena career highlights and some of her more controversial matches. But first, before we begin, I want to acknowledge some of her fiercest competition. I don't call any of these girls rivals, but you have to respect these players because these players have beat her in finals and have taken her out of tournaments and stopped her from winning Grand Slam. So we have to acknowledge, of course, Venus. You have to acknowledge Maria Sharapova, Justine Hennon, Kim Clijsters and Jennifer Capriati and Naomi Osaka now. But in the tennis world, they always like to make it as if Maria Sharapova was Serena's biggest rival, and I never thought that at all. Their head-to-head -head record was 20-2, to and Maria Sharapova only beat her those two times in 2004, first being at Wimbledon, where she shocked the world, beating Serena, and then also at the WTA Finals in 2004. But after that, Serena was like, no ma'am, you will never beat me again, and she found the formula to turn up on Maria every time they took the court. One of my favorite matches where she completely like beat her down was at the 2007 Australian Open where Serena was unseated. She had a rough 2006 that was injury prone. She had knee surgery which took her out for majority of the season. She came back to the Australian Open, seated I think 81 in the world and ended up getting all the way to the finals. She had so many people doubting her that it was over for her. Her career was over and 
she made it to the finals to face Maria Sharapova and beat her down 6-1, 6-2. So that was just like a complete demolishment. And she dedicated that win to her sister Yatunde, who was killed in 2003 in Compton in a case of mistaken identity. And that was just a hard time for Venus, Serena, and their whole family. But she dedicated that win to her sister. And then another match with Maria that was a complete wipeout was the Olympics in 2012, where Serena won her first Olympic gold medal. She beat Maria in the final 6-0-6-1. And it was a little controversy with the win, not because of the actual match, but after the match, Serena celebrated by crip walking on one of the most prestigious courts in tennis at Wimbledon. The Olympics were played in London and they played on center court at Wimbledon for the final. And Serena was just happy and just crip walked, you know, on, on the court. And to me, that was like one of the blackest moments ever in tennis. And she got a lot of flack from people saying that she was promoting gang violence and things like that. But people don't understand the culture and that's why I said Serena is a cultural icon and just because she crip walks it's a dance people take stuff and just put whatever on it like Serena is not a gang member Serena is not a crip and she just was dancing and she just was celebrating and it was a happy moment for her so that's all that was but like I said as far as Maria Sharapova and their rivalry there was no rivalry it was 20 to 2 is the record head to head Serena has always figured out a way to get through her and that that's what it was some more controversial matches seem to be at the u.s open it's always some issues at the u.s open and specifically in 2009 and in 2019 at the beginning of the podcast i referenced taquanda in the documentary venus and serena she says that she has different personalities one of them being Megan. She's like this mischievous girl. And then I think she has another uh, personality called Summer, who is like her assistant. And then she has Taquanda. And she says Taquanda is from the hood. And Taquanda was at the 2009 U.S. Open where the line judge called a footfall on her, which cost her a point in the game. And it gave Kim Clijsters a match point or gave her match points. And Serena was so fired up with the line judge. She looked directly in the line judge's face and told her, I will take this ball and shove it down your throat. You know, she put some more emphasis on it. I don't really want to be cussing up here, but she said she was going to put it down her fucking throat. Like, <laughs> she was going to shove the ball down her fucking throat. And I was shocked. I was completely shocked. I think the world was shocked to see Serena turn up like that. But like she said, Taquanda is one of her other personalities. And she came out on court that day. And it was a little rough around the edges, but it is what it is. That's what I love about Serena, her personality. She's always going to be herself. She doesn't care where she is. She doesn't care about what people think about her. So yeah, that was a controversial moment. She lost because of the foot fault, which was a crazy call. And then in 2019, there was just so much more controversy between her and Naomi Osaka in the final. I think she had like three code violations, which cost her the game. Ramos, I think, was the referee. And he was just inserting himself in the match at the wrong time. What happened was Serena had a coaching violation. So Patrick was signaling to her to, I don't know, move forward or something. He was just signaling to her and Ramos spotted that. And that was a code violation. I don't know what 
the first code violation was for, but I do know that the third was for Serena calling the referee a thief because he took something from her. Now, the double standard comes in where these male athletes, especially in the past, who were slamming rackets, cussing out officials on court and everything, and just continue to play their matches with no code violations, no penalties, no fines. And they always seem to do that to Serena at the U.S. Open, surprisingly. You know, Serena is an American, and, and it always seems to be there where she always has some of her most controversial moments. But like I said, she persevered through that, and she's still been playing, and she still goes back to the U.S. Open. Hopefully this year she'll win another U.S. Open. But those were just a few of my favorite career highlights for her and some of her more controversial moments that I just wanted to talk about. The next segment we're going to get into is some of my favorite on-court fashion looks from her and some of my worst on-court fashion looks from her because I didn't like all of them. I'm going to start out with the 2002 Black Puma bodysuit that she wore at the U.S. Open. That black bodysuit, it just accentuated her body and all that ass. Like, Serena has a ass on her. <laughs> and 2004 was my next favorite look. 2004 is when she switched from Puma to Nike. She signed her Nike endorsement. And I love the first ever Nike dress that she debuted at the NASDAQ 100 in Miami. It was a white and silver look with like a silver corset. I thought it was just beautiful. She definitely could have wore that to Wimbledon, but it was amazing. That was one of my top looks. And the next would be 2004, where she debuted the jean skirt look that was inspired by actor James Dean and Andre Agassi. And Andre Agassi was actually the first player to debut jean fabric on the court. So Serena was inspired by both of those men and she took that look and she made it her own and I actually really love to see the jean fabric on the court and moving forward I think 2016 was my next favorite look of hers. She just had a yellow and black crop top Nike look. I think yellow is her color. Yellow just looked amazing on her. My next favorite moment would be the 2021 Australian Open where she had her Flojo inspired look. It was a pink, red, and black bodysuit, like one leg cut out. It was everything. I loved it. If you don't know who Flojo is, she is an Olympic track icon who changed the, the landscape of fashion for women in women's sports. She made it easier for women just to express themselves in whatever way they wanted through fashion. She had these long, colorful nails. She always had her hair done in a different look. And she always wore like fluorescent colors and not just your basic, you know, in the Olympics, not just basic red, white, and blue. So if you don't know who Flojo is, you might want to check her out and see where the inspiration comes from. Serena says that Nike came to her with the idea and she loved it and that was the inspiration for the look and that is definitely one of my top favorite if not my new favorite look of her of all time now some of my least favorite looks from her I have to say would be the collaboration with Virgil Abloh I wasn't a fan of the tutu look that she had at the U.S. Open, but I love the sneakers that they created, and I love some of the other pieces that they created for the line, but I just didn't like the tutu look. To me, it just looked big and, and puffy, and 
I feel like it got in the way, but she says it's one of her favorite looks, and it definitely was a, a iconic fashion moment. It definitely looked like, you know, it came right off the runway to the court, so that's one thing about Serena. She is always going to bring you something that's show-stopping, something that's going to spark a conversation, and it's always going to be unique to her. No one else will have a look like hers, and you just have to give it up. She is a fashion icon who just changed the game for other women to be able to express themselves through fashion on the court and that's what we love about Serena that's what I love about Serena so our next segment we're going to go into is her becoming a mom and our thoughts about her family and her love life Serena's love life over the years, we have seen her link to men like Common, Drake, and film director Brett Ratner. But in 2016, she met the love of her life, Alexis Ohanian, co-founder of Reddit. They met in Rome while she was playing a tournament, and the rest is pretty much history. They started dating, they fell in love. Serena became pregnant in 2017. She also won the 2017 Australian Open pregnant, making her a 23-time Grand Slam champion. After she won her last Grand Slam, she took the rest of the year off to focus on her new family and during that time she filmed the HBO docuseries Being Serena which followed her journey to motherhood in the series you see her give birth to a beautiful baby girl Alexis Olympia Ohanian Jr. Yes that's right she is a junior named after her father which is so unique and I love it. In the series like I said you see her give birth she had to have a c-section which followed with the life-threatening blood clots. Serena has a history of pulmonary embolisms. I think her first scare was in 2011 which almost cost her life. She recovered from the blood clots from the c-section and she went back to training so the series follows her climb back to the top of tennis the docuseries also shows that they became married in november of 2017 in new orleans with a star-studded event with friends like beyonce sierra lala kim kardashian just to name a few i loved her dress it was beautiful like watch the docuseries and you will see all of the amazingness with the wedding now what i love about their relationship is how supportive he is of her he's always at her matches cheering her on and their daughter Olympia. She is just one of the cutest babies ever. If you follow Serena's IG, she is always posting cute videos of them dancing and singing karaoke, which is one of Serena's favorite things to do. So Olympia is definitely another motivation for Serena to win number 24. And I think her family life has changed her outlook on the game from her preparation and her focus. However, it's just created another support system for her to keep fighting to be the best. So like I said before, definitely check out being Serena docu-series on HBO. You're definitely going to learn something new that you probably never knew about Serena because I know I did. And I just love their love story. I love that she found love and she has not let that impact her game. Like she still fights and trains at a high level and you have to appreciate that about Serena. So to conclude this episode of Tennis is Love, the podcast, I just want to say again that Serena Williams is the GOAT, the greatest of all time. There will never, ever, 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 ever be another Serena Williams. I also want to give my predictions for 2021 for her. I know that she will be playing at her next tournament at the Miami Open in a couple of weeks. She normally does very well there. And of course, she's going to be playing in all of the majors this year. The next major is the French Open. My prediction will be that she will win number 
24 at Wimbledon and follow up number 24 with number 25 at the US Open. And at that point, if Serena say 25 is it, I'm gonna retire, I wouldn't even be mad at her. That's my predictions for 2021 for Serena. I appreciate everyone tuning in, listening to the first ever episode of Tennis is Love, the podcast. I am super excited to continue to create content for you. And like I said in the beginning, tell a friend to tell a friend that this is Tennis is Love, the podcast. Make sure you subscribe to Apple Podcasts, to Spotify Podcasts. Make sure you follow us on IG at Tennis is Love Podcast, Facebook Tennis is Love Podcast. And our next episode will feature none other than older sister to Serena, Venus Williams. Williams.